Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I am Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is Get Off My Lawn, Jonathan Strickland. Nay. Hey, Ariel, I got a question for you. Okay, Ariel, here is your, it's more of a scenario, as a lot of these turn out to be, but here is your question. You have been given a quest to carry a powerful magical artifact a very long way and throw it into some sort of dangerous natural phenomenon. Let's say it's a volcano. What okay. form does this artifact take for you? Uh, well, it couldn't be a ham sandwich because I'd eat it. Um, yeah, it can only be unmade in the volcano of, I don't know, let's call it four door. You see, I like, I feel like even though you're alluding to Lord of the Rings that I want to say Meg Ryan um, <laughs> you want to throw because, Meg Ryan into a volcano? Because I watched Joe versus Joe the volcano versus okay, recently, but she also wouldn't be a artifact. Yeah, that's, so, that's true. That's actually objectifying Meg Ryan. 
literally. Which is not okay. Which is not okay. So my artifact would be um, something big enough that I wouldn't lose it, but small enough that it's not a pain to carry. Uh, probably an old Nokia cell phone, like one of the old brick kinds. That's amazing. Because my answer, and I'm not kidding you, the answer I came up with was it would be a remote control for something where I don't remember what the remote control goes to. I can't seem to get it to work with any of my current technology. So I just want it <laughs> out of my life. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have a bunch of old Nokia phones sitting in my closet because I can't seem to get rid of them. And it would give me one last chance to like, without my fancy Nokia hip holster thing. I think what this tells us is that it is really hard to recycle electronics <laughs> in a responsible yes. way. Yes. Well, that is in the past now. Question has been asked and answered. <laughs> we are now ready to move on to some news items. Our first news item is this week-ish. It came out that Netflix bought the sequels, the second and third sequel for Knives Out. Yeah, for uh, like $400 million. Yes, and Daniel Craig and director Ian Johnson will be back for it. Yep. Um, I would imagine they would have to have, you know, some modicum of different characters since the last story has already been solved. Yeah. I I imagine like, I don't know for a fact, but I would think that they would have each of these be really episodic standalone stories. Kind of like how Columbo was just a series Mm -hmm. of different mysteries whenever there was another Columbo special. Um, But this really has me excited because one, I have Netflix and two, I really like knives out. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I could take or leave Daniel Craig's uh, accent. Oh, I loved it. I loved every I second of that fake it, accent. <laughs> but it kind of it went all around. I kind of want the third one to reveal that he's not actually random. Southern. Ambiguous Southern. Yeah. I was going to say Louisiana. like. Louisiana, but sometimes it went to Virginian, but sometimes it went to Georgian. It was just. I mean, to be fair, it's kind place. of like kind of like listening to an American do an English accent that English Americans doing English accents wander all over the British Isles, sometimes taking a nice stay in Ireland. Yes, yes. I really like Knives Out. They think of so many tiny details throughout the the filmography of it and the videography of it that um, I just I found it appealing from beginning to end acting to technical. I I will say that it has the one downfall in that the person I thought who did it, did it. And I was pretty convinced very early on in the film about what, what not specifically what happened, but who was responsible. I I had a Mm -hmm. very strong suspicion and the fact that my suspicion turned out to be accurate kind of disappointed me because I was sort of hoping that I was on the wrong track. Um, but I mean, the the details delighted me. So yeah. it, it's it's kind of sour grapes to complain. Something else that the details delighted you on was the trailer for Loki. Uh, yeah. Which I am so very, very, very excited for this show. So Disney released a trailer for Loki, as we said. 
uh, April 5th, I believe. And it's just so much fun. And Jonathan immediately was like, did you see the Renaissance Festival in it? And I didn't, despite watching it through two times. It's literally a blink and you miss it moment. If you're looking at the the trailer around the one minute, 14 second mark after Loki says, do I get a weapon? And he's told, nope, they pass through a gate. And the next blink and you miss it scene shows the opening gate area of the Georgia Renaissance Festival. It's literally what you would be looking at if you had just walked through the entrance because there's a kiosk where we put maps and you can see the M for the maps there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got excited because I was like, oh, I, I there's going to be a scene presumably at a Renaissance Festival because I think there were people in the background dressed in mm-hmm. in, in, in current day clothing. So it would tell you that it's not like he didn't travel back to a really cheap version of medieval England. Um, <laughs> it's a Renaissance festival, but also like there's their sequences, the, 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 uh, the timekeepers, their headquarters is in, uh, well, the building that they're in was, is the Marriott Marquis in downtown Atlanta, which is one of the big hotels that uh, is used by Dragon Con and anyone who's ever seen and used in like every movie ever. Yeah, because it has like a well, I mean, like like people have said the interior of that hotel is science fiction. It's that mm-hmm. weird. It looks almost like a rib cage of an alien with elevators going up inside of it. So, yeah, there, it, a lot of the delight I got was from the fact that I was recognizing locations. It's the same sort of feeling I get when I watch The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I find out that if you go through the Krog Street Tunnel, which is just down the street from my house, you end up in Madripoor. That that kind of stuff <laughs> delights me. But beyond that, it just looks like it's going to be a fun series. Um, and I will not take this opportunity to rant about the problems I had with episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You should not do that. Um, I, I, I'm enjoying Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I am definitely more looking forward to Loki. It looks like it will be a, a balance of fun and an action like uh, WandaVision was. Uh, maybe a little bit more action. I really like how things are going with these these mini series. I feel like they're really hitting their stride. It kind of makes me wish that Agent Carter had held off until now because I have a feeling that now Agent Carter would really succeed, whereas it kind of fizzled out mm-hmm. after a season and a half when it first came out. Um, and that's a shame because it was it, it was entertaining. It was entertaining for me. I don't know. It was something about the effects or something about it the first time around. The story was good, but something about the show just didn't grab me. Mm -hmm. But I think that if they put the same oomph behind it now that they're putting behind these miniseries, I agree that I think it would take off. It it had, at least among our friends, a large following and fan base. Uh, Something else that has a large following and fan base among our friends is Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, my my parents wrote books for the series, so <laughs> I kind of I kind of inherited it. Yeah, we uh, Ariel, you found this great story about how uh, the second season of Picard is set in motion. It's going to be on mm-hmm. Paramount Plus because CBS All Access is no longer a thing, and um, also it's going to have the return of a beloved antagonist from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yes, uh, Q, played by John DeLancey, who uh, is this beyond time and space kind of being with 
magical powers. I don't want to say magical. That's not right. With I mean, it's kind powers. of right. It's effectively right. I mean, there's no, it's there's, right. there's no in universe good explanation for how he does what he does. And he's in many ways similar to Loki. So it's yeah. good to was, have these stories back to back. Yeah. I was going to say he is, he's pretty much, uh, Federation Loki. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say space Loki, but Loki is space Loki. That's true. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I I just, throughout the next generation, he was one of my favorite characters because when Q showed up, you had no idea where the story was going to go or Mm -hmm. what was going to happen. He was all about the mischief. And I love Loki too. Loki's one of my favorite MCU characters. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite Q line was uh, to Worf where he said, eat any good books lately. (laughs) <laughs> which is one of my, and I also really love the episode where he, he is forced, he turns mortal. He, his powers are removed from him and he has to adjust to what it is to be mortal and everything just disgusts and horrifies him. It's a fantastic episode. I do wonder how he's going to fit into Picard, which has a very, very different tone from Star Trek, the next generation. And it fills me with a little bit of, Anxiety that they might go like more grim and dark with him, which I, I think would be a mistake. Yeah, the the little teaser that we've got seems like there's at least some tongue in cheek in there. So I'm hopeful that they'll treat his character right. Um, Just just like I was hopeful and it seems to be so that mortal this new Mortal Kombat movie will be treated right. Yeah, great um, segue. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I was struggling. So uh, Mortal Kombat announced that it was pushing back its release date on HBO Max and in theaters one week from April 16th to April 23rd. Um, the Probably just to give Godzilla vs. Kong a little bit more time to make money because Godzilla vs. Kong is doing really well in the box office right now considering the pandemic. Yes, I'm um, glad you put the qualifier in there because... It wasn't long ago when a $50 million weekend would have been seen as a colossal failure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's made $121 million internationally so far, uh, at least as of March 30th. So probably a little bit more by now. Um, but in the meantime, Mortal Kombat gave us this little featurette that kind of let us uh, meet the characters of the movie and learn a little bit of the behind the scenes and it's, I am very excited because they have said that they really wanted to make sure that the actors could do all of the, the martial arts moves. Mm-hmm. They didn't want it to all be CGI. And that excites me. Uh, I'm a little, little bit less excited by the fact that they want it to be pretty brutal, but um, I wasn't, that's not a total surprise. Mm-hmm. But all in all, I'll say this this featurette does make me more excited to watch the movie than I previously was. What about you, Jonathan? Uh, I remain um, uncommitted, I think. it's. I think I'm just past the point where Mortal Kombat has a huge appeal for me. Uh, back when it first came out, I enjoyed the game and I, I enjoyed the first movie as cheesy as it was. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think it's just part of me is sitting there thinking like, cobbling together a good script from the various video game narratives. Uh, it makes me wonder what the focus is going to be. 
And is it just going to be a movie where you've got everyone's got their own little subplot, the kind of kind of the way it does in the in the game? And if so, how do you put those together in a way that makes a satisfying story uh, without just dropping some of those storylines like partway through? And we know that there's stuff like that going on because there's, of course, there's beef between Sub-Zero and Scorpion, for example. Mm-hmm. There's beef between Sonya and Kano. So uh, and we know that some of that's going to play out. I just don't know to what extent. Um, I'm also hopeful that by the time it actually comes out that the the uh, effects look a little bit better because Kano's eye laser is still kind of cheesy. Yeah, Kano's eye laser is kind of cheesy, but I like some of the other effects. Anything with Sub-Zero looks really cool so far. Well, um, it would I, have to. He's Sub-Zero. Uh, Has to look cool. Ha! I see what you did. Uh-huh. But we do know a little bit about the story, that it's a new fighter, Cole Young, who has mysterious... I'm just freezing right past that because it was so bad. Mm. Uh so bad it was good. Mm-hmm. No, uh, <laughs> he's got connections to the Mortal Kombat tournament. And so he's to me, he's I, at least I got feel a like, Mortal Kombat birthmark. Yes. I think it's going to be kind of like uh, Wizard of Ozzy. Uh, like like Ozzy Osbourne. I'm down with that. Like he like he's Dorothy and he gets pulled to. To this tournament and it's, meets friends along the way. I, I I don't I don't really understand the need to introduce a new character. I mean, it just means that you had even more story that you have to add to this, on top of all the other characters that you're hoping to incorporate. But maybe it's just to have somebody like blank slate, so that you're not going into something where all the fan fanboys out there will say that's not how it happened in the game. Therefore, this movie is you know, total BS. Whereas I'm like, it's a game. We can't really treat the canon as being sacred or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're sorry to all of the Mortal Kombat fans who just got very upset at Jonathan. Yeah. Well, uh, just make sure you, you, you don't do a fatality on me. <laughs> Another thing that you're not super excited about, mainly because you've never watched the first one is the new Space Jam movie. Right. You are correct. I have never seen Space Jam. So Space Jam came out when I was already in my 20s. Uh, So I didn't have any real desire to see it. It didn't appeal to me. I don't have kids. So there's I'm not into basketball. So like the only the only hook it had for me is that I did watch Looney Tunes a lot when I was a kid and I appreciate the Looney Tunes cartoons. I just didn't have a desire to see them in that context. However, now we've got the sequel uh, the trailers are out and Ariel, you made you described it in a way that now pretty much everybody else is describing it. How did you describe the sequel to Space Jam? Yes, the moment that I watched the trailer, I was like, well, this is just Ready Player One. But for kids and I, I will admit that's largely because Iron Giant was featured in Ready Player One and is featured in this one. Right. Um, but then. After I said that, my husband sent me an article from Gizmodo that had come out afterwards saying, hey, the new Space Jam trailer looks like Ready Player One. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's I am on the pulse of children's media. Whatever dimension they they that this story is taking place in ends up having, oddly enough, all the Warner Brothers villains as uh, courtside attendees for the game uh, with the Looney Tunes characters and LeBron against the I forget what they called the bad guy squad. But anyway, the it's goons? yes, the goons. 
Uh, but like the clockwork orange droogs are right there courtside. Mm-hmm. I saw them in one shot. Uh, the Tim Burton version so of Joker and the Tim Burton version of the penguin are both there. Cause I went frame by frame and looked at all the different characters I could spot and just saw, uh, there was a character that looked like the, um, the, the leader of the, the white walkers from, uh, the game of Thrones series. So like I said, I went frame by frame and I, I said, this is weird to have the Pennywise from the latest it films is in there. I was like, this it's weird to see these characters who are very much not part of family friendly entertainment being included in a, you know, a film that's made presumably for kids, or maybe it's just made for grown up kids who saw the original film when it came out. I mean, I, I saw the original film. I was a little bit old for it too, but I also worked with children and I really liked Roger Rabbit. So for me, this live action uh, cartoon hybrid excited me on that level. I, I I watched it because not because I like basketball, but because I like two frame Roger Rabbit. Um, but yeah, the the trailer looks very kid focused to me. Uh, I'm sure they put that in there as a, a Easter egg for adults. But yeah, that is a, that is an odd choice. Yeah, I mean, um, you could argue that it's like the Looney Tunes cartoons where some of the humor was aimed at kids. And some of the humor would go right over kids' heads, but adults would get it. You could argue that. But these aren't jokes. It's visual references, which is different. And I, I will go to my grave arguing that you cannot tell me that putting in a visual reference is a joke, no matter what you say, family guy. No, I I agree with you that putting in a visual reference is not necessarily a joke, uh, but maybe it's enough to distract the parents from realizing what minute mark it is in a children's movie. Well, speaking of minute marks, we should probably go to break. And when we come back, we're going to have a little conversation about how we can both be grouchy pants about weird stuff in movies because we're human. But first, let's take a quick break. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. 
Millions of people have made the switch to Nick Sleek Proof Underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine washable, and great looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So we're back. And uh, as Jonathan said, we're going to talk about some stuff that makes us grumpy pants or, or stuff that we've both looked at each other and said, huh, that's inconsistent in your likes. Uh, based on the fact that this weekend, uh, Jonathan watched Invincible and I watched Godzilla versus Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and from that, we both surprised each other with some stuff that normally I would say Jonathan would like that he didn't, and probably that he would think that I would like that I probably would not. Yeah. In other words, like th- things <laughs> yes. that things that we find as a, a hangup in our enjoyment mm-hmm. of something, and it's not necessarily always easy to express. So the example that started this whole thing off was that, uh, and you know, I didn't even, I have not watched any of the MonsterVerse movies. So mm-hmm. I haven't watched any, I hadn't watched, uh, Kong of Skull Island. I hadn't watched, you know, Godzilla, King of all the monsters, whatever, any of those. And so, uh, when I started seeing reviews that actually gave some details about the plot of Godzilla versus Kong, which I, I still have not seen. Um, I saw that I didn't realize that the, the movies had incorporated a hollow earth storyline part. Like, like I didn't know that hollow earth was part of it. And finding that out immediately turned me off of all of those movies. The reason being, I, I the Hollow Earth theory is, is such a dumb thing in real life. I mean, not that these movies are trying to represent real life, but such a dumb thing in real life that real people have <laughs> have subscribed to, along with things like the Flat Earth Society, which is equally dumb. Um, that it immediately turned me off because I'm just like, I, I I spend my time often fighting against misinformation and mm-hmm. trying to uh, 
promotes skepticism and critical thinking. And it's so hard for me to get past that, even though I acknowledge this is a movie. It's a movie about giant monsters fighting each other. I have no problem with a Godzilla versus an enormous monkey, sorry, ape, fighting each other (laughs) and destroying cities. All of that I can totally buy. Suddenly Hollow Earth, boom, I'm out. I'm out. And and it's weird. It it is weird. It surprised me because I was like, well, surely Jonathan likes Journey to the Center of the Earth, but apparently not. Do not. Um, (laughs) Do not like. But to me, I'm like, it's so, and I actually enjoyed the movie. Did I think that it could have a better plot? Possibly. There were bits that just didn't really matter to me. There are other bits that I really liked, but I could not write something better. Um, So I still enjoyed it. But to me, it it just was uh, honestly a little surprising that anybody believes that Hollow Earth, and probably not the Hollow Earth that Godzilla versus Kong was talking about no. exists, because you know that's that's their the, the movie is saying that's Godzilla and Kong's origin. That's where they came from. Right, that's where all right. these titans came from. Um, that it was just surprising to me that it had any any real life parallels. And and I'll say like for me. Despite the, I like monster movies. I like big fight monster movies. Despite the fact that I don't like uh, animal movies, um, and I would consider Godzilla and King Kong both animals because I get very anxious about whether those animals are going to be okay. And I don't like big CGI and boss battles in my superhero movies, but I really like Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, I I also uh, I also just I don't really connect with big monster movies like that with a couple of exceptions, which tend to be the, um, the outliers anyway. Like I don't, I I actually don't think I've liked any King Kong film except for the original King Kong, uh, which I appreciate on kind of a, an academic level, but Mm -hmm. it's hard for like, I don't, I don't lose myself in the movie, but from an academic level, I appreciate it. Uh, The only monster movie I can think of, giant monster movie that, uh, well, two of them, and one of them kind of isn't a giant monster movie, but uh, Cloverfield, the first Cloverfield, Mm -hmm. I kind of dug because it was just a different take on that. It was very human centric without it, without the humans feeling like they were a distraction. It was about the Mm -hmm. humans within that world. And the second one was, um, was it Colossal? The movie about the woman who uh, turns out she controls a giant monster in Korea at the whenever she she gets blackout drunk, apparently, or not just then, but typically then. It was Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Colossal was the name of it. Colossal, which is another subversion of the genre. I thought I didn't think I was going to like that movie. And then I watched it and I thought, wow, this is a really good film. That is not what you think it's about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, otherwise I, I just mean, don't connect to them. So that's that was kind of like ultimately it wouldn't have been surprising if I didn't really care for Godzilla versus Kong simply because it's not really my jam. That's just not where my geekdom mm-hmm. falls typically. So Well, and and like I had interest in Invincible. I knew it was going to be violent, but you you said that it was exceptionally graphically gory. Oh yeah. No. Okay, so we've talked about Invincible on previous episodes. Um yeah, mm-hmm. the the first episode, it's, you know, it's it's kind of superhero violence level of violence and like mm-hmm. teenager uh, getting their butt handed to them in high school before discovering their superpowers. Violence is in there, too. 
But yeah, there every episode has a little sequence that happens after the initial credits pop up. And the one for episode one is critically important for the entire series. So you have to watch it. But it's also possibly the goriest animation I have seen outside of Japanese animation ever. And it is like excruciatingly detailed in its gore. Um, it, you could argue it's still cartoony, but it's disturbing. Uh, yeah. So that would not be Ariel's jam because as much as she loves no. superheroes, she also really doesn't care for gore. I don't care for gore. And it, it's interesting. Cause like I do, I do watch MMA occasionally, but the moment that they're, like, I can only watch somebody's jaw get punched so many times before I have to look away because I'm afraid I'm going to see that gore. Now, that's real people, not a cartoon. Yeah. But you, uh, you don't want to see eyeballs pop out of their sockets, do you? No. OK, well, no, I have, you, but I don't particularly enjoy then it. You don't want to watch Invincible episode one because spoiler alert, that definitely happens. <laughs> but apparently I need to if I want to watch the rest of the series. But I, I'm curious, Jonathan, because you you don't like these things where these stories where um, you don't like big monster movies, exception of Cloverfield. Mm -hmm. But I would say that I, I would imagine that you would like this is like two part. I would imagine that you would like like space invasion movies or space alien fighting movies. Like, do you like Independence Day or Ender's Game or anything like that? I don't like Independence Day or Ender's Game, but I do like The Last Starfighter. Um, so like it, again, it depends on the tone of the film. It depends on the characters, uh, edge of tomorrow. I like that a lot. Live, die, repeat is also the other name for that. The Tom Cruise film, which surprised me because I don't really care for Tom Cruise that much, but I oh, really like that movie. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so good. there are, there are versions, but like, you know, just like with any genre, there are ones that you would consider to be good and ones that you consider to not be good. And this isn't me saying that, that, you know, Independence Day is bad, although it is. And it's not me saying that, um, Ender's Game is bad. I haven't seen it. It's just a preference thing, right? So I remember when we had our discussion, you also pointed out, like, I'm not, I hate like the idea of a movie that would present flat earth as being a real thing. And you brought up Discworld and I said, well, aha, but that Discworld is not Earth. Discworld is a different but, world and it's in a fantasy setting and it's okay there. Uh, okay, but what about like Arthurian legend? That's set on Earth in a in a real time. Mm -hmm. And you being a skeptic, I I'm not sure if you believe in things as fairies, but there are people who do. This so is do a this is an interesting point. I think of it as a fairy tale and I see this is interesting because, yeah, I, I can't even. Yeah, this is why I wanted to have this conversation. I can't even explain it because I'm OK with that. And I'm OK with things like one of my favorite horror movies of all time is The Witch or The Vavitch, if you prefer. And there <laughs> are people who believe in in witches. I have friends who I mean, they're not like witches in The Witch, The Witch, but friends who are Wiccan, right, who talk about witchcraft and witchy stuff. Uh, they use a different term than stuff, but. <laughs> um, I can get past that too. even being a skeptic and a critical thinker and all this kind of stuff. I can get past that as well. And I can't explain it. Maybe. I, I mean, I can't. I don't know why there's a block. There just is. Um, it's mm -hmm. it's one of those things where when I encounter it, I, it's frustrating for me to even talk about simply because I don't even have the language to convey 
why, right? It just is. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. I was just curious. I think it's really interesting. You know, there are also like, I, I am a skeptic on certain things, but I'm also a person of faith. And there are, there are certain stories where I can watch it and be like, well, that's just fantastic. It's, it's just a story, you know? It doesn't matter if it veers from what I believe because it's just a story and stories are made up. Um, but there are certain things, yeah, that I I couldn't tell you why certain things press my buttons and other things don't. But I do think it's really interesting to look at. And I thought specifically the one about fictional stuff that some people believe and where that line is was was something fun to explore. Yeah. We've had fun exploring. Yeah, it's odd. It'll probably be something that I revisit in therapy. So thanks for that. <laughs> Another thing to talk Sorry. about. No, it's, I'm... I'm just teasing. Well, we're going to take another break, and I'm sure this is going to be a topic that we'll dive into more, especially if you folks out there have things to say about it. But when we come back, we're going to do our mashup, which was inspired by that trailer for the sequel to Space Jam. But you'll find out more when we come back after this break. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
we went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So we have a slightly different mashup this week than we normally would. My pitch to Ariel was that, you know, Space Jam combines the Looney Tunes characters with basketball. So I thought it'd be fun to combine some other group of cartoon characters with some other sport and talk about the movie that comes out because of that. And uh, we didn't really want to pick Looney Tunes and we didn't want to pick basketball. We wanted to pick two different things and say, what is that version that is akin to Space Jam? Uh, Ariel, would you want me to go first or would you prefer to go first? Um, I can go first. I will say that I'm sorry, everybody. So, uh, I decided to do a direct sequel to Space Jam. Okay. So dealing with the same aliens, but a different sport and a different cartoon group. And the cartoon group I picked. So if you're not familiar with the original Space Jam, there's this alien guy, Mr. Swackhammer, and he, his attraction park Moran Mountain is failing and so he wants to uh, get the Looney Tunes as an attraction and he sends some minions to Earth to get them and then the Looney Tunes say hey you guys are tiny so we'll go if you can beat us in basketball but then the minions steal basketball players powers and so the Looney Tunes get Michael Jordan to help them and it's a big ordeal and it's funny it's, it's like kid. winner take all. Winner gets to leave mm-hmm. the prison dimension and yes. um, spoiler alert, the Looney Tunes win. Yes. But then, you know, the minions get freed from Mr. Swackhammer in the end. And then the cartoon I picked was the Flintstones uh, because I figured after his run in with the Looney Tunes, uh he might he might go for some lower hanging fruit. And the Flintstones are about uh, a prehistoric family and their friends um, who have prehistoric modern conveniences. And then yeah, they're uh, a my modern s- Stone Age family. They're a modern Stone Age family. Yes. And then my sport was curling <laughs> because I thought that the Flintstones and the curling would be good. Uh, curling. Ariel, what is curling? I was just about to say that. Curling is when uh, it's a, it's an ice sport. It's like um, it's like the relaxing version of hockey. Maybe no, not even that. It's ice shuffleboard basically. So you have this stone called a rock. It's it's like a, a giant puck, and someone pushes it down this lane and tries to get it into a a uh, target. And everybody else on the team has brooms that are called brushes, they're ice brooms, they're called brushes, and they brush the ice in front of the stone to try to get the ice to melt and veer the stone to land directly in the center of the target. So it's also a little bit like darts. Um, And it's, I love it. I actually really enjoy curling. I really enjoy hockey. Um, I couldn't tell you any of the people who play it, but I enjoy the sport. But the game can take like three hours because you're just throwing a rock down some ice and then brushing the ice and trying to get the ice to melt. 
to get the rock into the target. So that's what curling is. Um, so you guys are in for a, a slow, slippery ride. Uh, <laughs> so this is Space Jam 3, Mr. Swackhammer's Revenge. Mr. Swackhammer is at it again. Having lost his, his star attraction and his minions, he is at a loss for how to keep his park more on Mountain Afloat. I mean, briefly, the infamy of his Monstars versus the Looney Tunes brought some people in, but that was short-lived. And his interim employee, Gazoo, just didn't fall in line and he had to get rid of him. Mr. Swackhammer had just finished up his free trial of HBO Max to try to keep tabs on the Looney Tunes, which is how he learned about the Flintstones. They were the perfect new attraction idea. They weren't too up-to-date on modern technology, so they shouldn't be able to fight back. They were mostly out of work. They were outdated enough that Earth wouldn't care, but just still relevant to bring in some space tourists. Surely they would be easy to dupe into coming back with him and putting in long, underpaid hours of work at Moron Mountain. So Mr. Swackhammer packed up and went to Earth back in time and found Fred and Barney at the Water Buffalo's Lodge. Swackhammer quickly convinced them to pack up their families and travel to space in the future with him with a bunch of empty promises on how they had risen to immense fame and fortune and would be treated like stars. Barney and Fred went home and apprised their wives and kids of the news, but Betty and Wilma, being the smarter of the couples, decided to talk to their only other alien they had ever met, the Great Gazoo, who had been banished to Earth in the Stone Age. And they wanted to get his whole take on the thing. And that's when they found out all about Mr. Swackhammer. You see, the Great Gazoo was actually a former employee at Morin Mountain and was banished to Earth by Mr. Swackhammer in an attempt to not pay the Great Gazoo's severance when he was let go. It was a low-down, dirty trick, and the Gazoo was certain that whisking the Flintstones and Rebels away to the future was a low-down, dirty trick, too. Knowing of the former run-in with the Looney Tunes, the Great Gazoo figured out the Flintstones could get out of their gentleman's agreement with Mr. Swackhammer by doing something similar. They should challenge Mr. Swackhammer to a sport, and without his nerd lucks, Mr. Swackhammer's minions, Mr. Swackhammer would be out of luck. Fred and Barney and family went to confront Mr. S and challenged him to their new favorite sport, curling. It was all the rage. Mr. Swackhammer agreed on the condition that he could call in his own team, and the match was on. Unfortunately, Mr. Swackhammer misheard the name of the sport and thought it was Curly, and ended up abducting Weird Al Yankovic, Carrot Top, and Curly from the Three Stooges for his team. The day of the, because they all have curly hair, the mm. day of the match arrived and everyone showed up on the ice. But of course, since Mr. Swackhammer misheard the challenge, none of his players were prepared. While Bam Bam was tossing the rock flawlessly down the curling sheet with Pebbles and Dino manning the brushes, getting point after point, Weird Al was lost in thought trying to figure out a parody song about the whole ordeal, and Carrot Top kept trying to pick up the stone for prop comedy. Curly, it turns out, was really good at curling and was able to keep the game tied until it came time to throw the hammer, the last rock, when he slipped and fell, knocking himself out with the rock. After an excruciating three hours, the Flintstones had won the match, the minor celebrities were sent back to their times, and the Great Gadzoo took Mr. Swackhammer's ship back to Moran Mountain to become the new CEO, leaving Mr. Swackhammer to live in the Stone Age, working at the Rock Quarries forever. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, I have never seen Space Jam, so uh, I created my mashup based on the very limited, almost free of context understanding I had. <laughs> and so uh, the the combination I chose were the Snorks and Snooker. 
So it's called Snorker. I'm, but, I'm uh, looking forward to it. But let me explain what these are for people who may not know. The Snorks were a cartoon series from the mid-1980s, and they were created essentially to compete against the Smurfs. The producer who had brought the Smurfs to television was having these financial disputes with the artist who originally created the Smurfs. And he was left thinking, man, I sure would love to have a cartoon product that doesn't go back to someone else's intellectual property so that I could keep all the monies. And so we get the Snorks, which are essentially underwater Smurfs that have a little snorkel popping out of the top of their head. Um, So the Snorks are very similar to the Smurfs, except that there's no Gargamel type villain. The villains in the Mm -hmm. Snorks are usually other villainous Snorks or magical Mm -hmm. seaweed or stuff like that. Uh, But anyway, that's all you really need to know. Then snooker. It's kind of similar to billiards. So it's played on a table. Uh, It's larger than a pool table. It's got a table with six pockets. There's a cue ball. And then there are 21 other balls of various colors. Most of them are red. And generally speaking, the way you play is on your turn, you try to sink or pot a red ball. And then you choose one of the other colors to sink. And that determines how many points you get for that play if you do sink that ball. You keep going till all the red balls are gone. And there's a lot more to it. But trust me, I was in England and I watched about 20 hours of this sport on TV and I still don't understand it. But I feel like I'm closer to it than cricket. So that's why I went with it. All right. None of this is really going to matter for my mashup, by the way. All right, here we go. Snorker. Uh, The main character is All-Star Seaworthy, who was the main protagonist in the Snorks. All-Star Seaworthy has a problem. His uncle, Dr. Gallio Seaworthy, has gone missing. And the resident mad scientist, Dr. Strange Snork, brother to Galileo, seems pretty happy about it. All-Star tries to investigate his uncle's disappearance, but he keeps hitting roadblocks, or ocean blocks, or something. Anyway, Strange Snork is being awfully cocky about the whole thing. While seeking clues, All-Star comes across something really weird, a mysterious whirlpool that descends into a portal. He and his friends Demi and Casey also snorks, get caught up in the current, and while they make a valiant effort to escape, they're ultimately swallowed up by the portal, and they find themselves in outer space. Um, not our version of outer space, but the surface world, which the snorks call outer space. However, they can breathe, and they look different, as if hand-drawn animation had somehow transformed into CGI characters. In this realm, they quickly encounter an odd person who themselves uh, calls themselves the Master of Ceremonies. This character is, of course, played by Tilda Swinton. The androgynous MC hints that Dr. Galeo is nearby, but in order to see him, the three friends will have to enter into a tournament playing an odd game, Snooker, and so begins Space Pot. Okay, well, that's a terrible (laughs) name. (laughs) <laughs> but but potting is what you call it when you sink a ball and snooker and they're uh-huh. in outer space. Okay. Anyway, sure. they enter the tournament and they go up against celebrity snooker players, real and animated, like Snoopy and Foo-Foo the Snoo from Dr. Seuss. And of course, Snooky from the Jersey Shore. Also, <laughs> there are other celebrity types there playing in the tournament, like Kevin Hart and Robert Downey Jr., Lin-Manuel Miranda, Gal Gadot, and Meryl Streep. 
Demi gets knocked out early despite his athletic skill. He gets too hyped up and disqualified. That's a bad miss, says one of the commentators on the tournament. Casey lasts a bit longer, but ultimately is defeated by a mysterious cloaked opponent. All-Star makes it to the top of his bracket and thus faces off against the cloaked one in the final. And the cloaked one uncloaks and it's professional snooker player Mark Selby, the jester from Leicester. The commentators are going wild, but pretty much all the celebrities and snorks are like, who's this guy? Because they're all American. We don't know snooker players. The audience is probably the same way, unless they happen to be English and follow snooker. What follows is an incredibly competitive snooker match, with Selby playing extremely well, and it looks like All-Star will lose until Casey encourages him to set aside the Q-stick and use his snorkel instead. He does so and pulls off an insane trick shot that helps him gain the upper hand, defeating Selby and dooming him to the Great Punishment, which we don't see, but it sounds really, really painful off-screen. Having won the tournament, Tilda Swinton returns and rewards All-Star by bringing Dr. Galeo to him. And it seems that Dr. Galeo was studying the anomaly back under the ocean and determined that it was the work of Strange Snork before he was sucked into it. So the Snorks say their goodbyes and they return to where they entered to the strange world. Dr. Galeo is able to reverse the portal using some cool outer space technology that is surface world technology, and they return home. Galeo seals the portal on the ocean side, then they all head to give Dr. Strange Snork a firm talking to. As Strange Snork is lectured at, All-Star heads off to build the first underwater snooker table. The end. I really enjoyed that. I also learned that a lot of Hollywood is interested in snooker, apparently. Well, in my movie, they are. You think Bill Murray is a basketball player? Come on. <laughs> You know, I would not put it past him. He's a golfer. Although he did say, like, being in the new Ghostbuster movies was f very physically taxing. So maybe not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was playing golf in Space Jam originally. Oh, okay. Again, having not seen it, I'm just grasping at what little <laughs> context I have from memes. He and Michael Jordan and others were playing golf when Michael Jordan got sucked down a hole to help the Looney Tunes. Gotcha. Well, that wraps up this episode of Large Nerdron Collider. Ariel, if people want to get in touch with us, perhaps to tell us about their weird geek hangups or, you know, maybe they want to give us a mashup of a cartoon group of characters and, and a sport. How would they do that? Well, the easiest way would be to email us at lnc at iheartmedia.com or they could reach out to us on social media on Twitter where lnc underscore podcast and on Facebook and Instagram where Large Nerdron Collider. Yep, you can also check out our webpage that's largenerdroncollider.com. We have the episodes posted there and we also post like uh, show notes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you like the show, make sure to subscribe and tell your friends because the more people who listen and write in, the better geek conversations we have. Agreed. And until next time, I have been Jonathan Snooker Strickland. And I have been Ariel Curly Caston.
The Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. The show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Relax and unwind tonight with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy work week flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. 